it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Creative Hair School of Cosmetology. The Creative Hair School of Cosmetology is a Black-owned family business providing a quality beauty education. This beauty school is located in Flint, Michigan and offers state-approved and accredited programs in cosmetology, aesthetics, manicuring, and natural hair. Creative Hair School and this family team will celebrate 23 years this year in 2021. Check out the school and its programs at creativehairschool.com and embrace the journey with them. Cosmetology classes start monthly. Aesthetics, manicuring, and natural hair programs are offered twice a year. Find out more information at creativehairschool.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I have an awesome episode in store for you today. Happy Monday. It's July the 5th. It's the first Monday of July. July is my favorite month. Seven is my favorite number. And also it's my birthday month. It's also the month that we started the podcast. So I'm going to be celebrating all month long. We're going to be celebrating the podcast and my birthday and all of those great things. I plan on doing some giveaways. So if you want to participate in that, all you got to do is just screenshot the episode that you're listening to on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to it at, and then actually send that to me and tag me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor. I'll have all that information in the show notes. I'm going to be randomly selecting people to tag me and leave reviews, sending you guys some goodies and some swag. So we're going to be celebrating all month long. So I'm super, super excited for that. But I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. We ate some great barbecue and just kind of chilled out a bit, but it was a good day overall. And it seems like many people were celebrating. Um, a lot of people were just ready to get out. And being that things are opening back up and some restrictions are being lifted, people are just happy to celebrate. So I can see that this year was definitely different from 2020. And that is all great. So now that we got all of that out of the way, let's get into today's awesome episode. I had a great conversation with Paula Floyd of Headcount. I really enjoyed talking to Paula and I was really inspired by her story because we have similar backgrounds. Paula spent many years working as a field representative for companies like Mac and Benefit and Urban Decay. And as a field rep, she understood firsthand what it was like to be the face of the brand and really educating not just the consumer, but the retailers on how to position a brand, the benefits and the features of the brand and all of those things. And because she spent so many years in this industry, who but her to create Headcount, which is ultimately an agency that helps smaller brands who get into these Sephora's and Altas and things really to get their brand out there, really to stand out and really to position themselves in the market for success and for growth. And that's what her company is all about. And I love that she saw a need in the industry and she decided to become the change that she wanted to see. And she decided to become the voice of these brands and providing an agency and a company that will help them to drive sales with marketing and branding and all of those great things. 
So I was really inspired by her story, love chatting with her, and she has a great, phenomenal start so far. And I, I know that there's more to come for Headcount, but here's a little bit of her bio. So Headcount was founded by Paula Floyd, a sales and education executive with over 25 years of experience at brands such as Mac, Benefit, Urban Decay, and more. Though there's been a current emphasis on the growth in the DTC channels for most brands, Paula saw the desire for the consumer to still experience a brand in person and the need to elevate the brick and mortar relationships that brands have with their retail partners. There are only so many resources available for up and coming and legacy brands alike. And it can be challenging to support both DTC growth and in-store retail opportunities. Headcount offers an alternative option that allows brands to scale their business and retail by removing the overhead that comes with a full in-house field sales team. Headcount does all the heavy lifting associated with driving retail, including a field education team, account management operations, and an experienced head of sales. I think you're really going to enjoy this phenomenal interview, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Paula Floyd. Welcome, Paula. Hi, thank you for having me here. Thanks for being on. So, Paula, before we get into learning more about you and all the awesome things you're doing with your company, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Oh, gosh. I... This is super easy for me. Well, there's two. Can I do two? Sure. <laughs> okay. One is I used to be a flight attendant for Pan Am. Awesome. Random. I know it's really random. And it kind of has a story about beauty industry though, which is interesting to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm such a sucker for marketing. Okay. And I was a flight attendant for Pan Am. I was living in Chicago at the time, based in New York. And prescriptives had this product called flight cream. So I thought, well, if I'm a flight attendant, I must buy this product, flight cream, right? <laughs> I know it's so ridiculous, but actually I went to the counter so often to replenish that the woman there asked me one day if I was interested in working for them. Wow. <laughs> I know. So that was actually my very first breakthrough into the industry was at Marshall Fields Water Tower. They were called Marshall Fields at the time. Now they're mm -hmm. Macy's uh, in Chicago. And I was a custom blender for foundation. And so I used to do all because that was kind of their their niche. You know, they did all these custom blending foundation recipes. So that's that. So did you leave flight attending? to go into the beauty industry. Is that what it is? Totally. Awesome. You know, I, totally awesome. I love it. No, I totally did because quite honestly, as glamorous as flying around the world seems, uh, it was really hard work. It was tough on your legs. It was, um, you know, just being gone all the time. I didn't love being gone all the time. Um, I really love being home. And so it was, wasn't necessarily for me. I did it for a couple of years and then I was ready. And so by the time, like, you know, everything is about timing and I just happened to walk in. I love the, the brand they're owned by Estee Lauder as well at the time. And so I thought, well, why not? So that's where I ended up. 
it's interesting. You never know why you go through certain things, certain experiences that, that lead to the others. I've been looking back now at things that I learned maybe 15 years ago that's helping me with my business now. So you just never really know what you're, you know, why you're going through things and what you're going to learn from it. But it's a, life is definitely an interesting journey for sure. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you got it. Uh, so, so tell us about your beauty story. Like, how did you get into the beauty industry? So the first was really my first role was with prescriptives. And, you know, I just thought at the time, like, this is a great kind of space filler until I figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And because I did, I, I was actually very disappointed in myself that I wasn't a flight attendant forever. Because I, when I was a little girl, I thought that's for sure what I wanted to be. I got there. And you know how it's like when you're there, you're like, ooh, this is not actually. This is not it. This isn't it. So I got into beauty and I really instant started learning real quickly that I loved it. Like I loved it. And I'm really proud that I actually started in um, at the ground floor at the level of in store working with the clients working with the brand and i just love the energy behind it i love that women were actually coming in um looking for confidence you know that that's what that's what they're buying you know they're buying confidence i was buying the flight cream right and i was buying like i wanted to identify so i could identify with it so i wanted to be able to identify uh, and I love that feeling of connecting with, with the people. Awesome. So before, now leading up into what you're doing now, so starting out in the beauty industry, you started out like at a counter doing those things, working for different brands and things. How long was it through this working in this industry before you decided to start your own business? Oh gosh, years and years, <laughs> like two and a half decades. So I spent, so after prescriptives, I went to a very small startup. This is kind of why I wanted to do a startup as well. So the startup is now a household name, uh, MAC and uh, Mac Cosmetics. <laughs> I know, but people were like, what's this MAC stuff? And I actually was by accident that I started working with Mac. I was at a party and somebody said, hey, do you want to see what is in this little pot? And I know that sounds funny because people were like, oh, pot and party and had nothing to do with pot at the party. It had everything to do with this. I don't know if you've ever seen their little containers of concealer. And they're these tiny little pots of really thick concealer. Mm -hmm. Back then in the day, brands didn't have like a wide range of colors and a wide range of really big selection and stuff that really worked. And so I was at this party, I went on an interview that happened to be a distributor um, looking for um, somebody to run their skincare brand. And during the interview, the woman goes, have you ever heard of a company called Mac? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just at a party a week ago. And it's what, when somebody mentioned it to me. So long story short, that's how I brought, broke into Mac. Um, I was really ground floor. I was one of maybe 10 people um, in the U.S. that worked for them. We were ran by a um, distributor at the time. And the rest is history. I was there. I worked at uh, in store level for a long time, five years, and then grew up with the brand. 
and helped them expand, helped them expand their distribution, opened up in Nordstrom's, opened up in uh, Macy's, all of the big retailers and at that time. And I just grew up. So everything from a counter manager, then I did some education, then I was an account manager, then I was a director, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And to the last, uh, after 17 years, I, I ended my career as about as high as I wanted to take it. Um, and then I left and wanted to explore some other brands. And I ran into some amazing founders. I, I worked with uh, Leslie Blodgett from Bare Minerals. That was actually my next step after Mac. And I uh, was able to live, was through their acquisition um, with Shiseido. And then I went on to Benefit, which was part of LVMH World. So what really started happening was I was able to gather just all of this incredible knowledge from these brands. And what kept happening to me is I was really drawn to the field, to the front line, what I call it. So the front line is what I do today, right? So the front line are, you know, I, I had um, just hundreds of people that were in within my organization, meaning the team, and they were the people actually touching the consumer talking to the consumer. They are the connector from product to retailer into the, in, to the consumer. And I thought, how valuable are they? And, um, and they were my passion. Like if, if ever I was, would get bored sitting in the office because everyone's trying to figure it out in the four walls, I'd be like, all we have to do is go into store and ask. Right. Paula, you know, that's interesting because I know I, I get it. I get it because for some reason you had a passion for those people out there representing the brands. Yeah. You knew, you understood what that was and the impact that the field representatives had for the brands and on the company and everything and with the customer experience and all of those things. And so is that something that you felt like for some reason you wanted to help this community? You wanted to make something better. What was it that you saw? What need? that you want to fulfill for this industry? I did it. It's for both. It's for the employees. So a lot of times people will ask me, you know, what comes first, the employee, the client, what is most important? And said, actually, first and foremost are my employees by far. And the reason why that is, is they are going to, they're, they're not just bodies standing in the store, right? These are people with their own stories. So they're going to connect just with their own humanness connect in store. And I did always feel like they they were they felt short, especially in this digital world, right? You see everything's online, e-commerce is strong as it should be. And it's so very, very important. But if you look at the data, the data tells you that 20 of the top producing, top prestige beauty brands in the United States all have an in-house field education team, okay? The top 20 brands all have a field education team. And so I looked at that and I was just like, well, what about all these other startup founders who don't have deep pockets, who can't have, you know, how do they get nationwide in six weeks? How do you go from, oh my gosh, yay, I got to deal with Sephora to, oh, wow, how am I going to support that in store? And I thought there's got to be, I saw what was out there. There's a, there's a couple companies out there doing it. And I thought, this is what I love to do. This isn't just going to be this like, oh, I want to do this. I didn't do it for money. Um, obviously, I need to make money doing it. This is really what I love and I know. 
And I thought, I think I can do this. And I had some friends like prodding me along, like, are you crazy? Like you are the person to be doing this. And so that's really what um, I thought I could really feel that, that void for these brands. And so today, my clients today are all female founders. Uh, they're all startup. And they realize the value and the importance of the people piece, but they can just turn the key now and do what they want to do best. Maybe this focus on marketing or, or product development and innovative products and packaging and really leave the rest up to us. Mm-hmm. So for people who may not understand the industry as we do, I just want to kind of give a little background. So for I, I was a field rep for many companies. I worked with, you know, many different companies as we spoke about earlier. And basically a big brand will hire a field rep to represent the brand. And what your job is to do when you uh, go into Sephora Alter or wherever you're contracted to go, you are there as that the voice of that brand. And so you're there to educate the staff on how to position a brand, as well as drive sales while you're in store to promote the brand. And those are usually bigger companies that can afford to hire, you know, field reps to go out and do those things. But like you said, there's a lot of smaller companies, female founders, mom and pop companies coming up now that need the same exposure. So what if they do get enough exposure? If you, It's so great if you get in Alta, but once you're in Alta, how are you going to keep those sales up? How are you going to keep, you know, create brand awareness while in store, while your products are in store. If you don't have anyone in there speaking to your products, educating the staff and the customers on your product. So I love that you created something for smaller brands as well, startup brands that don't, like you said, don't have that huge budget, but they still need to get their brands in front of their potential clients. So talk, so explain to us um, like some of the steps you took into like building up your clientele and some of the things that your company provides for small brands. I will. Well, you know, first year I was scared to death when I started this. I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm leaving the corporate world, right? Because I've been in it for so long. But the beauty is, is I, I won't say the brand, but I was in an interview and I was down in Los Angeles and I re- specifically remember leaving the interview and this was with a well-known founder and I got in my car and I saw myself in the mirror and I thought, you're not doing this again. Like, you're just not going to do this again. You're not, you're not going to go into that, that world again. You know how to do this. And that's when, when headcount came alive. And I thought, I'm going to finally go after it. I'm going to go after it, scared to death as I was. And really one of the initial steps is, you know, people say, what's the market appetite like, right? Like when you're starting a company. And I didn't do anything fancy. I didn't have funds to do anything fancy. I'm self-funded. And I didn't want to go ask anybody for money at the time, right? So I thought, well, I'm going to call my friends. (laughs) I have lots of friends in the industry. And so I just called them and said, hey, what do you think about this idea? And they were all really behind it. And then I'd ask, well, what kind of services do you think would be best I could offer? And, And actually through my friends and through all of these relationships were really how I built up, like, what is the market appetite look like today? And the biggest call out was speed. How do you get in and expand nationally to get these brands going quickly, right? So not just one city, because originally I was thinking, well, I'll just 
start this off and hire some field members in one city and let's see how it goes. And then I thought, well, no, if everyone's telling me it's speed and they wanna expand and scale quickly, I should probably start out nationwide in some of the top. So I chose the top five cities of beauty and started in those cities. So what are the top five? Okay, so the top five, New York, okay, Miami, Chicago, mm-hmm. LA, and the, it was a it was a toss up between the Bay Area and Texas. So actually, we LA what we combined with with Texas. So I guess six, but and then Texas, uh, Houston, and the Bay Area. Okay. Now, interesting. So we started there and I basically took the knowledge of where I knew my top doors were with retailers. And and that's how I knew this data, right? After being in the business for so long, I'm like, okay, I know I need New York. I know I need this. And I also knew a lot of employees who are beauty educators who I was hoping would want to come with me because I wasn't looking for part. I wasn't looking for freelancers. I was looking for skin in the game, no pun intended. I was looking for people who wanted to get in um, and really try to make this a career and build this company as just a real force um, to help these startup brands. And so we did that. I I was shocked. Like people were coming out of the woodwork like, oh my gosh, I want to work. Yes, I want to do this with you. And so we started recruiting in these markets all by referral, all by people we, I trusted. Because I will say as a founder in the beginning, the people you hire in the beginning are everything. Um, Not necessarily just for skill set, for trust, right? Who can pivot really fast? Who's not so caught up in all the rules and policies? Who can say, if I say, hey, gosh, wow, I thought, this was going to work and it didn't. And you want somebody to go, yeah, all right, no problem. Let's go there. Right. Who can pivot really quickly. And so that's how I built the team. Like it wasn't just skill set. It was also who had the attitude, you know, who had the openness to go, I'm scrappy, just like you. And I want to get roll up my sleeves just like you and get this done. Um, So that's how we started. And that's how we picked the cities. And then kind of a funny story is, So I didn't have a marketing budget and I thought, all right, um, a company glossy was actually pitching to us to sponsor that sponsor an event down in Palm Springs. And it was $6,000. And that was a huge amount of money for me. Right. I'm I'm like coming out of P Floyd's checking account. Mm -hmm. basically. (laughs) So I was just like, I called up my right hand who with me and I said, what do you think? You know, should we, should we do this? And she goes, well, yeah, look at the brands that are attending. And I think we should go best decision I ever made. Best decision I ever made. I was just, it got, it got me out there. It got me to tell the story because it got me to share why headcount exists. And I just really got to make some incredible relationships. And I have uh, three clients actually from that one investment today, who are still my clients today. Awesome. I think it's really, I, I love that you talked a lot about your relationships. So you yes. had experience in this field. 
all these years working with Mac and other companies. Yeah. And you, you tap, when you had this idea, you tapped back into who you knew, the people you have met over the years in the field. And many people fail, you know, to use their network or even to network properly. But I love that you were able to reach out to the people within your network and they were able to help you to get, get everything started with this company. And that was like awesome that you got a sponsor early on. You know, early on, giving yourself the opportunity to get out there in front of other potential clients and things of that nature. So what do you think? I know there's other companies. I've heard of other agencies that provide services for companies and things of that nature. But what would you say separates your business from other companies like it? Hands down is the strategy, the the back of the house. So what I mean by that is, you know, we're not, we're not just a warm body. Um, our employees are in it to win it. And it's their skill set that matters. Skill set and relationships are everything. So when we go into Sephora or we go into Ulta, our beauty educators establish and cement in real relationships with those store retail, store employees. That matters everything to us. We're not just there to sell a product off the shelf. We're there to build a relationship. And so consistency matters. Um, we're very consistent. Um, and then our skill set of our years of experience allows us to give the speed, right? So because of our industry knowledge, we're able to gather a lot of data and insight, very powerful insights that we have within our arsenal, so to speak. And we're able to execute on that very quickly. So I would say my years of experience leading it. So you're also getting ahead of sales. I have a head of sales now, and she's basically ahead of sales in a very interesting way for all of our brands, right? Versus we're not just doing scheduling and getting a, getting a body in the store. We're doing your back of the house scheduling with the retailer, scheduling with the beauty educator. We're hiring all the beauty educators. They're all W-2 employees. We're compensating them well. Um, and then we really have a retention program for our employees as well, because we want, there's a high turnover in this industry, as you probably know, right? High turnover. And so I don't want my people to leave, you know, and I don't want my, their success is my success and my, and their success are my brand success. And if my brands are successful, then we are. And that really matters to me. And I think that's our biggest difference. I mean, we really we give a, you know what? And that's what we have on our website. That's a bit of our tagline because we really care. So the industry has shifted a lot, you know, you know, coming out of this pandemic and all of these things. And I know even before, right before the pandemic, things were shifting with how even so how support does things. Um, because all of, I think they changed the way they operate. You, you had to be licensed now to be in Sephora, all these different things. And they were changing things with sanitation, all of those things. And I know some of it had really affected the industry, especially people that, you know, field work, because it was you're you're responsible for selling a product that people can't really touch anymore. So I kind of wanted to touch on, you know, what shifts have been made in the industry? What have you seen in the industry now? Well, I mean, the pandemic just devastated us, right? It just absolutely decimated the beauty industry. Um, and in particular, what we do. And I quite frankly, didn't think we we're gonna make it. 
um, you know, when, when COVID happened, I had just signed on my third brand, third client. We'd only been business for, we just launched three months and then COVID happened. Wow. So we got our first client in November of 2019 and everything hit the fan March 15th. So literally when that happened, we were like, oh, whoa, right? I cannot believe this is happening right now. Um, so we just paused and thought, okay, let's hang on to this and let's see, let's see how we're going to be able to maneuver this. We were watching, obviously, the big guys, right? We're watching how Sephora going to handle this, how's Ulta handle this, how are the retailers handling going back to the store? Um, so we paused through March until the end of May. I believe we we're one of the first companies back in store for our brands. So the value to that was we were really able to learn because I'm like, how are we going to sell skincare without having anybody touch it? How are you going to sell a lipstick without trying it on? And interestingly enough, the cell phones came in real handy. And then just being very quick with, you know, it's almost like if you're watching a video and you want to get all the answers in five seconds, right? You don't want to spend 30 seconds having to figure out how to do something. And so we had to, we had to come up with these sound bites, really quick key features and benefits for these products and identify what product do we want to sell? Um, what do we want to share with the consumer about the product and just have it really um, a quick but and share as much information as we possibly could to describe what it was going to look like. Um, our brands are amazing. They actually sent in a lot of gratis for all of our employees. So when they went on their shift for the brand, they were in full face of that brand. Um, they sent in samples, although we weren't really able to use the samples. We were able to use the samples and try them on their, on our beauty educators would put it on their skin and say, see, but you know, that's tricky, right? Cause we're all so different. Um, but it was really, I'm really proud of the industry, of the big retailers, um, of our clients and the beauty educators who were out there really continuing to really try to make this happen. And meanwhile, it was amazing to have e-commerce really pick up the torch, right? And so e-commerce like took off. And so we were trying to watch, um, this was kind of interesting. We were looking at, what are they saying online? So we'd go on a brand site, we look at their ratings and we try to pull out what they're saying about the brand. Um, and then we try to educate and mimic that and store the best we could, but it was tough. It was, there's nothing easy about it. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Definitely. It seems the industry is turning around. I was just reading an article on CNN, like lipstick sales are up 80% from last year. So yeah. things are turning around. So let's talk about the turnaround. What have you seen? What's, you know, what's going on in the beauty industry right now? Unbelievable. The um, pre-COVID numbers were blowing them away. 
So pre-COVID for our clients that we had pre-COVID, I'd say three to four, sometimes five times more volume we're getting for them now than before COVID. So we're, we're tripling the, the numbers pre-COVID. What's also happening though are, or it's already happened, the cities that used to be A doors, meaning your top volume doors, those cities have changed dramatically. So your suburban locations versus your downtown city locations, many of those are doing the same volume that a big city location used to do, which makes sense because you think a lot of people are still at home even though the restrictions have lifted. A lot of people are still shopping in their local neighborhood store, um, even though the restrictions have lifted. And so I think the cities are starting to come back. We're, Manhattan, we're starting to see come back now more than ever, but not the big one, not like big Times Square yet, right? The more of the local Manhattan neighborhoods are coming back. Um, so that to me was like, when I would see our sales reports and I would see these, once I knew them as little B and C markets, all of a sudden blowing out these very large volumes of sales, that's when you knew like times have changed. But they, they'll come back, the cities are coming back definitely, but um, I think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with these suburban locations because I haven't seen it let up just yet. Uh, yeah, I, de I definitely uh, think so as well. I don't think, you know, the beauty industry is going anywhere. Oh. I mean, I, I knew the numbers went down, but I was still shopping online and I still love beauty. And I know that there are people out there that still love it. But, you yeah. know, we didn't really have the need for as much. But now that we're back out, I'm excited that people are wearing more lipstick and I'm excited that, you know, brands are expanding. And I want to talk about because you you help a a lot of uh, smaller brands that maybe happen to get into Sephora auto doors and different things of that nature. But what, what if a, a startup brand wants to work with your company? Like what's the process? If they're a startup brand and they're, maybe they are looking to get their products out there more, they're looking to hire people, but they just don't really have the resources to do so, to have people go into different stores. So let's talk about how a brand will go about working with your company. You know, the, the first thing we do is um, we have just an exploratory call and it's a meeting. It's a face to face like this. Um, they'll reach out to us on our website um, or we're a lot for referral based. So one brand will refer another to another uh, brand. So referral is really important to us. And we'll have an exploratory call. And during that call, a really important factor for us is can we collaborate together, right? Is this gonna be a good fit for us? So I really wanna know what the brand's goals are. You know, where do you wanna take this brand? What are your short-term? What does long-term look like for you? Um, what is the purpose why you wanna hire us? Um, if it's, some brands will come to us and they're like, well, we just want you to spend like an hour or two in a store and that won't be a brand necessarily we'll work with. Um, because we're really looking for sustainable growth, right? So we want a brand that's like, no, we want you to go in once or twice a month, four hours a shift, and we want to grow our top line sales. Um, so we talk about what are the goals? Do they align? Do our values align? And what I mean by that is we're 100% cruelty-free brands only. Um, we value um, the relationship with the retailer. So that, that respect of the retailer relationship needs to be there also for the brand. And then 
are the goals realistic? Um, you know, how are they valuing our, our people as well in store? And that, ma that matters a lot to us. And once we get to that point, then we'll provide a proposal to them. Um, I did change our pricing somewhat because I wanted to attract um, some of the even smaller guys and to make it affordable. And so depending on how much time and attention a brand needs, um, we'll kind of cater to their, their needs and hopefully try to find a fit within their budget as well. It's about a six to eight week process from the time you first meet with us to the time we can get into store with you for you. Okay, great. And so in addition to, you know, going through that process and helping them get into store and, and those things, what are uh, some other services that you offer that you provide? Uh, so, I mean, we stay super hyper-focused on getting into the right stores, laying out all of your scheduling. So a brand will come into us and they'll be like, here's 400 doors that we're in. Okay. And we'll say, okay, they share us the information. We then go back and say, we'll do an analysis of the doors. We'll look at all their volume and we'll do an analysis and we'll share with them what doors we think they should be in. We'll share with them what kind of gratis they should be supporting. We'll share with them timing on when they should have an event, if it makes sense. We'll share with them when they share with us their marketing calendar, which they do, um, which would be best to line up with us. So there's a lot of thought um, that goes into before we actually execute on that strategy with them. Well, it, Paula, it really seems like a well-rounded thing. And for you to have not been in business that long, how, how have you managed to you know, pull all this together? I know, you know, um, I had a, I had an aunt and she said to me when I was calling her, uh, she was in her eighties, she's no longer with us anymore. But she said to me, I said, you know, should I like do this? And she goes, you have been practicing your entire career for this moment. You know what to do. You've been doing it for all these other brands. And she said, so for you to pull this together, so to pull it together is to bring in the right people. So it wasn't just me, Paula Floyd, doing this. It was, you know, my head of sales. You know, she, I swear, the day she started, she literally came back, had a pricing list put together for me. She had a flow chart of how we were going to roll things out. So it's just hiring those key people. I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at that, right? Um, so hire people who, who have your back, who you trust, and who also have the strength that you don't. Great, great. That may be it, but I wanted to ask you, what has been your biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Stay uncomfortable. Just stay, keep staying uncomfortable. You know, the minute, like the minute I feel like, like I'm starting a new project under headcount and we're like, okay, we've got this, like, we're, this is well oiled, like we're, we're getting there. We're still so new, but we got like the flow of how, how the brick in store should be, right? Like we're getting it. We're knowing when to hire and we're timing that out and we're projecting our sales and we're projecting our growth and, and when to make more hires um, and it reinvest in the, in our people. And what I mean is, so you do that. And then all of a sudden somebody comes to you with another idea 
and, and listening to what those ideas are and just being really open. And if you're open, you'll start getting really uncomfortable because you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. You know, there's something that's coming up of late and I really don't know how to do it, but I'm reaching out and all of a sudden I have all this knowledge about it because I'm, I'm asking questions. And that's what I mean. Like the minute you start feeling comfortable, get uncomfortable, challenge yourself, challenge your business, ask your clients. I ask my clients, like, how are we doing? Like, are we doing as good as you want us to be? Are we great or are we good? right? We have a hundred percent renewal rate. So we know we're doing something really right for our clients, right? Um, But that doesn't mean I'm not going to stop asking them what their needs are. And their needs are things I've never even thought about and I'm not knowledgeable. So that's what I mean. Just like, like I'm, I was really uncomfortable for a year and a half in headcount, right? Starting it out. And, um, and I'm still not like, oh, sitting, resting, there's nothing to rest on, right? Because we're in such little hyper growth mode. I'm still baby little brand. But I have to tell you, you know, there's a, there's an abundance of opportunities out there and just keep exploring them. Great advice, great advice. So what what's next? Like, is there, do you have a plan to expand? Are you adding any more services? Are there any, you know, plans like that? Yeah, we do. I'm not going to be sharing them right now, (laughs) but there is one that's quite exciting um, that we're working on as of late and probably fall, uh, fall for that. We think we'll expand out of the U S in 20, early 2023. Our plans to possibly also expand out of the United States. That's going to be a big one, right? To, to get out of the country. I'm very familiar with, with um, the U.S., but expanding outside of that is going to be real uncomfortable. That's not 100% we're going to do it, but we've been asked a lot uh, by some of our clients and, and potential clients. Great, great. I'm sure you'll do some great things with this company. I think this is phenomenal. And what who better than someone who has spent many years in that exact position promoting for brands and, you know, on the front lines for brands because we're the face of the brand and of many of those brands that we work for. And, you know, you, so, you know, firsthand what it takes, you know, firsthand, you know, what it's like to have uh, these quotas and different things and numbers that you have to meet, all of those things. And so um, allow it, and you also know the impact that, that the field representative have, because we're, we're not there just because we, we look pretty, we're all black or we're there because we actually drive sales for the brands. And that's another thing. <laughs> that's right. You're the story. Mm-hmm. You're part of the, the beauty educators are part of the story, the brand story. Right. So they get to be there and be a part of it. And I and this is their craft. You know, this is their role. And it's it's important. And it's important to me that they are, um, you know, cheered on and I'm their advocate. Right. And, and they get to we get to be a part of something where I have to share with you, you know, just. Working with these brands that we get to work with is just an absolute privilege. It has been an absolute privilege um, every day when I, I look at it and I'm like, wow, look at us. How, how lucky are we 
You know, how grateful am I and how lucky are we that we get to look with these extraordinary brands. And these are brands that have done what we're, we've done. Like they're taking a chance. They're taking a chance on themselves and they're going for it. And there's, I, I'm, I need to just mention there's during COVID, um, a founder from one of the brands started a, a clean beauty summer school. And she started the school to help people who aren't as privileged as we are. And I get to be a sponsor on this and, and help these female founders um, really get to showcase their brand and highlight their brand. And I was, I just had a meeting earlier this morning and I saw that this one little tiny, tiny brand um, was on like Oprah mentioned her. And then I saw it somewhere else. And, you know, when I see that, I'm like, yes, you know, like you just see like these wins and beauty and it's, it's a tight community. Yeah. I think that's great. And I can, I can tell that you're very passionate about helping these founders to just, you know, get their brands out there more and be the best that they can be in this industry and, and just really, you know, allow them to grow and expand just because they're just as important as any other large company. And it's just opening doors for more brands to have the opportunity to expand. So I think it's phenomenal what you're doing Thank with you. your company. Do you have any, uh, any other, you know, information or anything you want to share? Oh my gosh. I mean, I could talk forever about beauty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could talk forever about beauty. I, I do think the, you know, timing is everything. And so just some advice to whoever might be thinking, oh, I need a field team now in store. You know, the timing for a field team is crucial because brands really need to invest on their DTC, right? On their e-commerce, on the sites of the retailers. We, you know, a lot of brands start with the retailers and all of that push needs to go way before you go into getting support and store support. And so I just wanted, because I get that question asked a lot. They're like, well, when should I hire, you know, when should we work together? And I said, as soon as you start seeing some serious momentum, and then once you get a deal with a retailer and you're going into store and you have some resources, that's when you go in. Because sometimes you only have a window to prove yourself in, in brick and mortar. And that window is when you just pour the gas on, right? Pour it on as much as you can afford. Um, so that retailer will wanna continue, because imagine, 200 brands sitting in a store and you don't have anybody representing you. What do you think is going to happen to your product sitting on the shelf? They're probably just going to mm -hmm. sit on the shelf. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And so when I, and they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. I said, but imagine somebody coming in and teaching all of those employees about your brand and getting them excited about it. And even sharing, giving them some gratis. Now, now we walk out. Imagine what's going to happen to your brand. They're probably going to be. They're probably going to start talking about it. And so, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people say location, location, location. It's that, and it's relationship, relationship, relationship. I would agree for sure. Yeah. What do you? What do you? Changes do you want to see in the beauty industry? Well, we're starting to see some. 
um, at a slower pace, but I'd really love to see accessibility for everybody. And I mean, every age, uh, mature, you know, we certainly have the young and the mid covered, uh, but more mature from a racially speaking, I would love to see a much more um, complex and not just speaking to different races, like really for all. Um, and the day that we're not having this conversation, right, about this would be a really scary day for me. Um, when we last June, during the Black Lives Matter, it was raising, you know, all of a sudden it was rising to, you know, who's behind all of these brands, right? And I love that. And something that, and I, I think it's really comes from my original, one of my first couple jobs. And when you, we built our team to, we're 86 BIPOC, 86% of our team. But that's who we are. We didn't do that because of any pressure or anything else. We did that because that's what felt natural to us, right? And when, when that starts being natural across the board, that to me is like where I would love to see everything go. That's where I really see, um, but, I, but the conversation needs to continue and these questions need to continue to be asked. And I challenge myself all the time, you know, challenge myself all the time. Like, what are we doing? How are we improving? What does my leadership team look like? And we just hired, um, you know, a, we have a nice mix now of our leadership team and we're gonna keep it that way. But that to me is what I'd love to see in the beauty industry. And I think we're gonna see that when you see targets of the world. I walked into a target the other day. I could not believe it was a target. It was so beautiful. The just their display and I thought, imagine all these customers that now get to walk in and see and get to have that same service, right? So I don't know, that to me, what do you think? <laughs> Asking you. So what do you think? Great. I think I, I would agree. I think definitely inclusivity for sure. Um, I know the industry has come a long way. I still want to see it continue. Me too. To, to, you know to come even further. And I, I'm happy that the industry is starting to shift and change. I can appreciate that, but I still think we have a long way to go for sure. Long, long, long way to go for sure. But we're seeing it. And I think yeah. we're continuing to see movement and people are staying accountable. You know, mm -hmm. some, you know, some people are really staying accountable and, and it's those brands that, um, are going to get the traction. And it's those brands that are going to be sustained along the way. I hope. So Paula, it's been absolutely great chatting with you. And I you've had incredible success just starting out a few months before COVID. So it hasn't been that long. No. And I want to, I, I want to know what do you think has contributed to your success thus far? Uh, I think we deliver on what we say we're going to do. I, what I say is what we're going to do it. Um, and we deliver. There's no, um, I do hear people like, what's my ROI, ROI going to be? And I said, you know, that's literally virtually impossible for me to share with you. And some people do. They're like, well, I went to this one 
company and they told me it was going to be this. And I said, that sounds phenomenal. You know, here's what we will deliver for you though. We're going to help build your retail sales strategy. Number two, we're going to execute on that strategy and we're going to hit these goals. And number three, we're going to review it every single week in our touch bases. And we're going to share with you our wins and we're going to share with you our losses. And then we're going to change and pivot and do it the next week. And so I really think, you know, I say what I say I'm going to do. And if, and if we are unable to do something, um, when COVID happened, when COVID hit, I called the three brands and I said, look, do you want your money back? You know, I don't know what this is going to look like for us. I don't know what this is going to look like for you. Do you want your money back? And they were like, no, we do not want our money back. We, we want to just ride this out with you. And that was like, the, and they're like, just the fact that you wow. called us to see, wow. to see if you wanted your money back um, says a lot. So it's integrity, you know, maintaining that integrity, no matter, first and foremost, the other stuff comes. But maintaining that integrity is to me everything. And if I can't maintain it, and that's why my growth is really important to me, I don't want to explode right now. You know, I want to pace this out into a really nice growth because I am accountable for my brands to deliver. And if I'm just going crazy and just saying yes to every single brand that comes to us, guess what's going to happen? Something's going to soften, right? And until we're ready to grow, and then we'll grow. And, and so that's, we've been really able to try to, to maintain that growth to, to true, organic, sustainable growth. And that's how I feel we've been able to, to um, continue moving forward. Okay, great. What advice would you give someone that was looking to start their brand? Like you started your brand right before a pandemic. Like you basically started into a pandemic okay. and you've had, but you've had a successful run so far. So what advice would you give someone now that's looking to start their own company? If you believe in your, in your brand, if you believe in your idea, right? So the first thing I would say is keep your idea for your, to yourself and just sit, stay, internally, which is really hard for me to do because I'm such an extrovert. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm doing this, but keep it in into yourself and just sit on it. And if you still believe it every day, you know, this is the right thing, then start sharing. Because as soon as you know this, like as soon as you share an idea for somebody, you have the naysayers out there, right? Naysayers out there are going to be like, but so-and-so is doing it, but they're doing it, but they dominate and that. It's just like, yeah, well, I'm going to do it. And this is how I'm going to do it differently. So you got to have that believing in yourself before anybody else believes in you. So that's what I would say. It doesn't have the idea because you, I can share with you everything about headcount, but it's all about the execution. I can give you the playbook and how I did it, but it's all about your passion, how you're going to talk to your clients how you're going to, what you're going to share with them as far as and deliver on them. So it's just that original confidence and belief in yourself and your team then. Great. Can you share with everybody how they can connect with you online? Yeah. Uh, so you can just, you can email me directly. Go for it. Paul at headcount.com. No problem receiving emails or you can go to www.headcount and it's headcount with a K. Uh, dot com. 
So it's H-E-A-D-K-O-U-N-T.com. You can just click in there. It's going to say, get a quote and it'll connect you in with us. And you can just tell us, tell us what you're looking for. Or if you just want to, Hey, I want to chat with you, chat with you a little bit about business. Happy to do that as well. Great, great. Well, thank you so much, Paula. It's been absolutely great having you on the show. All of that information will definitely be in the show notes. Definitely connect with Paula and Headcount, everyone. As always, stay great and we're out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.